great to have you with us here this morning, whether it's watching online or here in the room. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Thank you for uh, choosing to start out this day by joining us here at Connect. Uh, whether you are single this morning, single again, dating, married, uh, we want to talk about the idea of love today, uh, and we're actually going to continue that conversation over the next three or four weeks, but uh, just to help you understand a little bit more about relationships, uh, I thought we would turn to the experts this morning on the idea of love and relationships, and uh, I found these, uh, these questions online that were answered by children. Uh, uh, with response to love and marriage. So uh, Kristen, who is aged 10, was asked, how do you decide who to marry? Kristen's answer was, no person really decides who to marry before they grow up. God decides it all before, and then you get to find out later who you're stuck with. So if you're stuck sat next to somebody this morning, that was uh, Kristen's thoughts of how that ended up happening. Freddie, age six, was asked, what is the right age to get married? Freddie said, no age is the right age to be married. You'd have to be a fool to get married. Uh, Ricky, aged 10, how would you make marriage work? Ricky said, tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. And then finally, just some great wisdom here for you today on this Valentine's Day morning. Finally, Anita, aged nine, uh, was asked, is it better to be single or get married? And the very wise nine-year-old Anita answers with, it's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. And all the wives in the room this morning watching online said, amen to that. So we're talking about this uh, idea of, of real love. What does love look like? Uh, back in the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, there was a lady by the name of Estelle Ramey. Estelle Ramey was a, a doctor. She was actually a world-renowned endocrinologist. And uh, it was amazing because she was a, a leading physician at a time when really this was a much more male-dominated field. So she was a leader in her field and also a leader in championing the rights for women. Uh, she became uh, famous not just for her uh, accolades as a surgeon, as a doctor, but also uh, in standing up for women to be leaders in their fields. Uh, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a politician who had previously been a surgeon, and uh, he declared one day publicly that he felt that women were unfit to hold high public office because of raging hormonal imbalances. Uh, she had a problem with that statement. She wrote a piece challenging it to the Washington Post. Uh, and as a result of her article that she posted, she was asked to go and debate this politician, this former surgeon, publicly on the matter. And she agreed. Uh, in this debate, this guy's name was Edgar Berman. He started out by saying, uh, trying to explain really, you know, I really love women. And she quickly responded with, so did Henry VIII. Uh, she was uh, very famous for, for all that she did. She wrote 150 articles, research articles in her life. She rubbed shoulders with Nobel laureates and world leaders. As I said, she championed the rights uh, of women. But here's why I'm talking about Estelle Ramey this morning. Because another thing she was famous for was a phrase that she came up with towards the end of her life. When asked about all of her achievements and all that she'd accomplished in her life, this was her response. Uh, 
As I look back, this is what matters. I have loved and been loved. And all the rest is just background music. She said, I have loved and been loved. All the rest is just background music. What a great thought there. And isn't that true? For all of our success in life, for all of our desires to, to make a difference, to change the world, I think those of us in the room this morning or watching online who have uh, been on this earth a little bit longer, if we were asked to look back at what we would consider the successes, accomplishments of our lives, whatever we've been through, whatever we've done, we probably would say that one of the greatest things was to love and to be loved. And I think the reason that we would answer that way is because we're wired that way. I think God himself created us that way. To have this desire to, to love and to be loved. And I think the reason is because we are created in his image. And God himself is love. Listen to this wonderful verse in, in 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. It says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We're kicking off this brand new series this morning and over the next four weeks, our goal is to look at just that. What is real love? What does real love look like? Today, we're going to look at God's love for us, his unique love for us. Next week, I want to uh, kind of flip that and, and look at what does it look like for us in turn to love God. And then the following two weeks after that, we're going to get a bit more practical. And, and what does it look like to love people in our life, our, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones? But, but what does it look like? Because Jesus challenged us on this. What does it look like to love those who maybe are our enemies? who we don't see eye to eye with, who we don't agree with on everything. Because Jesus said as followers of his that we should also love our enemies. And what better day to begin a series on love than today, Valentine's Day. I'm sure you've all celebrated in some way this morning. Maybe, uh, ladies, you woke up to breakfast in bed, uh, a card, a flower, some chocolates. I hope you, uh, uh, those of you who are here in person, got a free drink this morning. The ladies are all going to get a free drink at the coffee bar. Um, I actually suggested to our uh, creative team that maybe we come up with some sort of game or competition to do this morning in the service where we give away a prize to the couple whose anniversary is the closest to today. Uh, they, they shot that idea down, unfortunately, said we weren't allowed to do that because if we had done it, the winner would have been uh, a couple of kids who got married 23 years ago on this very day. You may recognize them. Check out this picture. Yeah, that is a very young Dave and Casey. 23 years ago today, we were married. We are celebrating our anniversary tonight. Uh, I say celebrating our anniversary. We are uh, celebrating our anniversary today in quarantine. So that's exciting. Um, if there's anyone who should be up here today speaking about love, it's Casey. She's been uh, married to me now for 23 years. She's uh, needed a lot of love to get stuck with this guy. 
But to kick off this series, I thought we should start with God's love and specifically talk this morning about his love for us. You know, the verse we read earlier is this uh, phrase that this whole series is based on, and that is the real love. What is real love? And it comes from uh, 1 John chapter 4. And there's actually three letters. There's 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. They were all written uh, by a man by the name of John. He doesn't actually identify himself in the letter, uh, but we can tell by the language and the the way the letters are composed that it's the same John who wrote John, the, the gospel of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's that same John. So 1 John is kind of more of a poetic sermon than a letter. And we know this about John. We know that John understood what it was to be loved. We know that John understood the love of God. We know that that John got to experience God's love through his interactions with Jesus himself. In fact, there's a, a, a funny verse that John writes himself in John chapter 21, verses 20 and then 24. In verse 20, and again, this is John writing, he says, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Verse 24, this disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. So John is saying, I'm that guy. Peter saw the disciple who Jesus loved, that was me. That kind of sounds like a, a, a bit of showing off as if John is saying, yeah, I, I was Jesus' favorite. I was the one that Jesus loved. But I don't think that's what's happening. I think when John writes that phrase, it's because he just, his, his whole identity is wrapped up in the knowledge of how much God loved him, how much love he experienced of God through his relationship with Jesus. In fact, this morning, we could say that you are the disciple that Jesus loved. We are all the disciple that Jesus loved because he loves us all. And John knew that. John experienced that. In 1, 2, and 3 John, three very short letters, he makes over 25 references to love because John knew Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, he knew the God of love. He got to experience God's love through his relationship with Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. John knew that God was love. He knew firsthand what that love was like. So what is God's love like? Maybe this week you saw uh, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook at all, uh, several people were kind of doing this thing called the Valentine's Day Challenge, and it uh, entailed people posting pictures of them when they first met, and then current pictures, and then if you click on the post, it was just a whole bunch of questions that they had to answer about their relationship, and uh, just some great stuff, and just fun watching, you know, before and after pictures and hearing about how couples met. But when it comes to relationships, I think the two big questions that everyone wants to know is who made the first move and who said, I love you first? When it comes to relationships, who made the first move and who said, I love you first? 
when the relationship that God wants with all of us, John tells us that the answer to these two questions is God. Who made the first move? Who said, I love you first? John would say, it was God. Verses 9 through 10, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God made the first move. Imagine if you had a friend and uh, he came to you one day and he was super excited. He said, hey, I've met someone. She's beautiful. Honestly, I, I think she might be the one. I've totally fallen for her. Do you want to see a picture of her? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. And he pulls out his phone. He shows you his picture of her. And then he swipes and shows you a picture of her and her family. Then there's another picture of her with some friends. And you're like, man, that, that, she looks great. She's beautiful. How did you guys meet? And your friend says, well, we haven't actually met yet, um, but she works at Starbucks, and uh, I've seen her there, and these are some pictures from her Facebook. I figured out her name, and I found her on Facebook. These are some pictures from her Facebook, but I really think she's the one. I think she likes me too, because you know, whenever she makes my drink, uh, when it's ready, she'll call me by name and say my drink's ready, and... You don't have the heart to tell your friend that they call everyone by name. Uh, but maybe what you would do is you would tell your friend, hey, that, that's great that um, she's got your drink down and she's calling you by name each day, but, but she's not going to know how you feel about her unless you're willing to make the first move. You can really love someone from afar, but unless you're willing to make that move, make that first move, let that person know, you'll never know if they love you. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. God made the first move. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus, his son, in the flesh. And Jesus lived out a life showing us how much God loves us through him. In his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, the author, Dr. Paul Brand, a doctor who devoted his entire career to healing leprosy patients in India. In his book, he kind of wonders aloud why it was that Jesus chose to touch the people that he healed. I mean, think about it. Many of them would have been uh, diseased, unattractive, smelly, unsanitary. Wouldn't it have been easier just to kind of wave a hand, wave a wand and say, you're healed? But he points out that Jesus' mission was not primarily a crusade against disease. If that was the case, there would be no one left sick. And he would never have tried to, to stop the people from sharing. There was times where Jesus would heal someone and then tell them, now don't tell anyone. Now Jesus wasn't here just primarily to heal the sick. I think Jesus' mission, and the author points this out, was a ministry to individual people to show them love, some of whom happens to be diseased. He wanted these people one by one to experience his love, his compassion. And he knew that 
in order to show love and compassion, it's hard to show that to a crowd. Love and compassion can really only be shown individually. Sometimes real love can only be demonstrated by touching those who've been cast aside by everyone else. That's what real love looks like. We've all heard of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Kind of a a modern day example of what Jesus was doing. Just drawing alongside the lepers, the dying of Calcutta. And giving them dignity in their dying days by, by feeding them, clothing them, loving them, touching them. Showing love and not just letting them be cast aside. The reality is we may be here this morning wearing our church clothes. We've got our smiles on. It looks like we've got everything together. But we know ourselves. We know the mess our lives are in. We can come up with a long list of reasons this morning why God really shouldn't come near to us. Why God wouldn't want to touch someone like me. But he made the first move. And he showed us how much he loved us by sending Jesus to come out, uh, to come and to reach out and touch us in our brokenness and in our pain and in our disease to show how much he loved us. And not only did God make the first move, he said, I love you first. He said, I love you first. Verse 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is so important for us to understand because for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at what our responsibility to love others looks like. And the truth is, we cannot give others something that we haven't received ourselves. We cannot give others something that we haven't received ourselves. In order to receive God's love, we need to understand God's love. In order to share love with others, we need to receive God's love. In order to receive God's love, we need to understand God's love. 1 John 4.19 says, We love each other because he loved us first. There is such um, truth, such profound wisdom in that verse that, that we are able to love each other because he loved us first. The author, a Catholic priest by the name of Henri Nouwen, he spent a lot of his time struggling with these ideas of inadequacy and often feeling that he himself wasn't loved. And in a lot of his writings, he talks about this very verse, 1 John 4, 19, that we love each other because he loved us first. This verse helped him understand God's love for him. And it helped him understand that God's love for us is not responsive. It wasn't in response to something. God acted first. It wasn't any kind of reaction to who we are or what we've done. And this can be difficult for us to understand, can't it? Because when it comes to us loving others, normally it's in response to something we see in them or, or something that's attracted us to them. But that's not what God's love for us looks like. To illustrate this, there's a great verse in the New Testament when Jesus, God's son, was baptized. You can read it in Matthew, 5, oh, sorry, Matthew 3, verse 17, and um, Jesus is about to be baptized, and as he comes up out of the water, there is a voice from heaven, and this voice says, This is my son, whom I love. 
With him, I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And I love that because it just illustrates how much God the Father loved Jesus the Son. But here's the thing. This was before Jesus had done anything. No one had been healed. No crowds had been taught. No disciples had been called. Jesus had done nothing other than be baptized. And yet God says, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. He says the same to us as one. I love you, not because of anything you've done, but because I am love. And I can't help but love you. God's love isn't responsive. God loves us, and he loved us first. So why is that important for us to understand? Why is that such an important foundation for us to build this series on? That God loves us unconditionally. That God made the first move. That God chose to love us first. Why Why is it so important that we need to know this? I'll I'll tell you why. In preparing for this message, I uh, came across a book called What's So Amazing About Grace by an author named Philip Yancey. And in the introduction to the book, he tells this, this profound short story. I'll, I'll read it to you word for word. He says here, I told a story in my book, The Jesus I Never Knew, a true story that long afterward continued to haunt me. I heard it from a friend who works with the down and outs in Chicago. He said, a prostitute came to me in wretched straits, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through, top, sorry, through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in a night. She had to do it, she said, to support her own drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me legally liable. I'm required to report cases of child abuse. But I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked if she had ever thought of going to a church for help. And I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church? She cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They'd just make me feel worse. What struck me about my friend's story is that women, much like the prostitute, fled towards Jesus, not away from him. The worse a person felt about herself, the more likely she saw Jesus as a refuge. When God sent Jesus, it was to to live as an example of what his love looks like. And in his day, the diseased, the outcasts, the people whose society had turned their backs on, they were drawn to him because they knew how much he loved them. And 2,000 years later, I want the church to be a place where people come knowing that God loves them. That God desires to have a relationship with them. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're watching online this morning. I want you to know today of all days, Valentine's Day, what a great day to reaffirm the idea that whatever you are going through in your life right now, you are loved. You are so loved. God loves you so much. He made the first move by sending his son, Jesus. He chose to love you first. And this morning, he's looking for us to love him. That's our response this morning, to return that love, to say, God, I love you too.
and he loves us where we're at. Before we've done anything to clean up our lives, before we've done everything to, to earn that love, he just loves us fully. So I hope and pray this morning that you have experienced that love from God. If you've not, I hope you'll take a step this morning towards him, that you'll open your arms, open your heart to him, because he wants to pour that love upon you. And we're going to find out over the next few weeks just that love of God, the change it can make in our lives in how we then love others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us what real love looks like. It's a word we hear talked about a lot throughout the year, especially this time of the year. But the reality is, God, that you've shown us real love. You, you sent Jesus to die in our place. You made the first move, Lord. You, you said, I love you first. You've, you love us so much. Help us this morning to experience that real love in our lives. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning in this room, everyone watching online, that they would truly understand just how loved they are by you today. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.